You're listening to Fidem Catholica, the Sunday homilies of Father John Gazzaldo, pastor at St. Luke Catholic Church, Temple, Texas. Today's homily is from the first Sunday of Lent, March 6, 2022, entitled Lent, the Great Reset Button. In the last year or so, there's been a word thrown around as like a theory what been going on, what's been going on the past couple of years. They call it the Great Reset. I'm not sure what that means. I just know it's been thrown around. I think it has to do some kind of geopolitical, religious, something, cultural change that some people think some people are trying to pull off with the Great Reset. Like I said, I'm not sure what it means and if it is all true. But I am familiar with the word reset because I think it's always been sort of a positive word for me anyway. I don't play video games when I did when I was a kid. We had a little Atari at home and my favorite button was the reset button because I could start over. I could erase all the game that I just lost and it's as if it never happened. And I think now in Lent, we have a chance to push that great reset button, even use other words, renew, reset, refresh, restart. Those of you who work with computers know that these are good things. Sometimes machines need a reset, a refresh, or renew. The church sees several of the sacraments in that way. One of them is baptism, which you will experience soon enough. It's a great reset. But for those of us who are baptized, that's what confession is. We get to replay. We get to go back and reset the time when we gave in to some temptation to sin. Some temptation that there was something else out there that could make us happy and not Jesus, not our faith. All of today, the gospel especially, is about Jesus encountering temptation and overcoming it. But he's not just doing it for him. He's not. In his very body, he's doing it. Because what does confession and all this mean? It means to, to reset, to go bad again, to make right, and to heal and if you've ever experienced or known someone who's experienced a broken bone, I have a friend, I think I've shared this with you, who, who fractured his leg but never got it fixed. It only got worse, but it healed wrong. And the doctor had to actually go in there and break it again as to reset it. That's uncomfortable. That's traumatic. That's necessary, though. But I think oftentimes, just like with sin and giving in to temptation, even emotional wounds, spiritual, have to go back and sometimes be retraced, be replayed, and be reset. A good spiritual director, a good psychologist or psychiatrist, sometimes takes people back, even the wounds that happened in childhood. And that can be very uncomfortable, especially if it's an offense. But sometimes you have to go back there, replay it, reset it, Bring Jesus into it. Let them replay it again so that it can be 
healed, reset, and then we can get on with our lives. Like I said, in Jesus' very body, he pulls this off, even in today's gospel. He, after his baptism, he heads into the desert and is tempted three times. Now, any theologian worth his salt, they've been teaching this to us for a thousand years, that this is no coincidence that the people of Israel set free from sin in Egypt, from captivity, headed off into the desert for 40 years. Jesus heads off in the desert for 40 days. That's not a coincidence. As soon as they set off in the desert for 40 years, they are tempted to lose faith. They are tempted to give in to their temptations. The first temptation is to food. We're hungry. God has abandoned us. And they failed that temptation. They lost faith. Now, God eventually fed them. Jesus today is tempted with food. And he reminds the devil and us, we do not live by bread alone. The next thing they were tempted to was idolatry. Moses was up on the mountain. They said, God has left us. What did they do? They made an idol and worshipped it, did terrible things with that idol that is not in any of the Ten Commandments movies. You have to read about them in Exodus and Deuteronomy. It's X-rated. But they give in to idolatry. Jesus tells the devil, only God is to be worshipped. He undoes that. He replays it. He resets it in his body. And then they test him at Meribah and Manasseh. When they're thirsty and they're convinced, once again, God has abandoned them, they put him to the test. The devil tempts Jesus. Eh, jump off here. See what happens. If you who you say you are, we do not put God to the test. He passed all those temptations. But to fix the original sin which we participate in baptism, it took his very body to go back into a garden, a garden of agony, and undo Adam's sin. Adam, a naked guy, sinned with a tree, and it took Jesus, another naked guy, on a tree to undo that sin. What did he do? He cosmically hit the reset button. So what about us? We have a chance every Lent to do this too, to hit that cosmic redo, that reset button. And we do it in several ways. Part of it is fasting and discipline. Now, a lot of people will, in the 80s, I think it was a kind of, I know, I went through this, it was kind of a fad to say, oh, don't give up something, do something. And that's good. You know, kids would often give up sweets or candy. Well, giving up sweets for me is a cross. My brain aches for sugar. Just being transparent. But those things are good because it teaches us self-mastery. It tells our body, listen, I don't have to give in to the every temptation, every itch. I am not, and we are not animals. But sometimes people give up things that really they should always give up. Sometimes men will say, this especially happens in, in certain communities, They'll say, I, I'm going to give up getting drunk every night. No, you give up. That should be a permanent thing. <laughs> I'm going to give up abusing my spouse. Or I had a teenager once tell his parents, Mom, I'm going to give up homework for Lent. That's not appropriate. 
But there are some good things in themselves that help us for self-mastery. Giving up a meal. Spending some time today in fasting and feeling those hunger pains. Maybe fasting from sports, watching it especially. Sometimes even television, even for a time. There was some time ago that that for an entire Lent, I decided to give up television. I lived with three other priests at the time. I was a seminarian. But I lived with three other priests at the time, and I told them, listen, I'm giving up TV. Now, I know it, at Ash Wednesday, it says, when you are fasting, you know, anoint your head and wash your face. Don't shout to the world your Lenten disciplines. But I would say, tell somebody. There was a, a psychologist who told me, tell five people. Because they hold you accountable and they can sometimes help you and participate. So as I was living in that community of three other priests and I told them I gave up TV, every time I walked into the room, they say, oh, John's here, turn off the TV. They helped and we had some great discussions. We had great conversations. We actually came closer as a community. And one time I went into a sports bar for something to eat, it, sat at the bar by myself and got into a conversation with the waiter slash bartender and found out he was Catholic. And then he asked me, oh, what'd you give up for Lent? And I said, television. And without missing a beat, he turned around and turned all the TVs off behind the bar. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> and we had a fun, wonderful conversation. Like a lot of those guys, he was non-practicing, raised in the faith. And it kicked up a whole discussion Brought up everything, even the slant the scandals in the church. And we had a couple guys sitting there who were involved in Boy Scouts. Kate brought up the scandals in, in that. Why? Because that one guy was able, respected what I had done, what, I, what decision I had made. He respected it and he participated in it. So I would say once again, don't just keep it to yourself. Tell other people, especially your family. You know, even today, we, at the end of Mass, I'm going to process out with this sign, the A-word. It's not something we made up. This is actually an ancient tradition they would do, especially in France at the Notre Dame Cathedral, where they would take many signs and symbols of the A-word and go dig a hole and stick it in the ground. Not to say, this is the great word of victory, of Easter, but we fast from it. So that we can celebrate it that much more. Nobody enjoys a meal more than a starving man. And there's an old adage, and I think it's true, you don't realize what you got until you lose it. In about four or five weeks, we will cover some of these statues, some of these images. Because hopefully when we take them out, you'll appreciate them more. Right now, they're kind of part of the backdrop. And it takes a convert to come in and say, what's that? What's that? What's that? then we appreciate them. But I would also encourage all of you for your homework today. In the past, sometimes people would uh, kind of write their disciplines down or their Lenten promises, kind of put them away, even bury those too. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. Here's what I would recommend. Be a little transparent here again. Go ahead and write them down. This is my little journal, and I keep it out now, this year, in front of in my desk. So it's always sitting me in the face, hitting me in the face. But when we write them down and tell other people, it gives us a better chance. So as you walk out, there's some papers out there with the A word on it. 
take one and write your discipline or goals on this piece of paper. And how do you do that? Well, what do you want to be different about you at Easter? What difference should there be at Easter? And if you're not sure, ask your spouse. They'll tell you. <laughs> Maybe even ask your children or your parents. They might have a Rolodex of suggestions. And some of these may be uncomfortable, but like I said, you write them down. I've written mine down. Some of them may be easy, maybe a time of silence. You know, I guess I didn't talk about that easy either. Practice a little silence in the house, even if it's just an hour or so. Write it down, though. We had a young ninth grader once. Poor thing, she could never stop talking. And the principal said, I want you to stay quiet for one day. She didn't do it. She made it about a minute and a half. But the next day, she made it two minutes. And the next day, she made it three. Slowly becoming disciplined. Because when I found out, when you keep your mouth shut at certain times, things go better. But some of the, the disciplines may be difficult. You may have to retrace old wounds. You may have to do the hard work, whether it's confession, counseling, family counseling, group counseling, sometimes intensive prayer and journaling, but you won't do it unless you write it down because 40 some odd days from now is kind of a long way. You may want to get rid of and eradicating altogether all evil and sinful temptations. That may take some work to retrace and reset, and it often takes a community. It often takes a community. Because sometimes, let's just admit it, sometimes the community around you is contributing to whatever sin or temptation you're dealing with. If you ever watch the show, My 600-Pound Life, it's not a pleasant show to watch, but who's ever there and morbidly obese, the first thing that the doctor asks them who is your enabler? Who is your enabler? And he has to fix the enabler. Usually they're sitting right next to them. So you have, it has to become a community healing. But you got to write it down. And you have to set goals. But you also might not want to just get rid of things. You might want to grow an appreciation of things. Grow an appreciation of your faith. If there's some aspect of your faith or you're afraid to share your faith with someone, then it is up to you. There's all kinds of resources out there now. You can just Google your question. Go right to catholic.com or something like that. They have a ton of stuff. And there's no excuse to be an uneducated Catholic. We've also asked, because of the Pew study, to have a greater devotion to the Eucharist. What is the Eucharist? And why do we have it? And what is adoration? During Lent, we have it on Wednesdays and Fridays. And it's really, it's no different than what McDonald's does when they put a big sign of a Big Mac. It is to increase your hunger for it. Adoration, we adore, we worship, but it increases our hunger for it. Because God wants to be one with you. And for some reason, if you can't receive communion, whether you're living in a regular marriage, living in sin, or struggling with something, hopefully that hunger can overcome the sin. 
But I would say too, and this might sound a little more, more morbid, but remember that Ash Wednesday is pretty morbid. It's all about reminding us that we're going to die. But to grow an appreciation for your family. And there is a practical way to do that. Once again, it may sound a little morbid. What would you say at their funerals? What would you say for your family and friends at if you were given the eulogy? Because oftentimes, and I've seen this firsthand, someone's giving a eulogy of a loved one wishing they had told them this before they died. We have, this past year, we have had several homicides and suicides, and they're awful. It is awful. But what's awful about it is sometimes the person eulogizing them is telling everybody how wonderful they were and what they appreciated about it, about them, and also dealing with the grief that they never had a chance to tell them. In this life, in this life, I have a very good friend, and he's not the healthiest person. And lately I've been thinking about what I would say about him at his eulogy. And we have reconnected. It is fulfilling. It is consoling. And there's something very holy about that. So I would say to all of us here, don't waste this Lent. Take a sheet of paper, write down your goals and disciplines, share them with each other, and see this at this time to renew, refresh, and reset so that at Easter time we can restart our missionary zeal. You've been listening to Fidein Catholica, the Sunday homilies of Father John Gazzaldo, pastor at St. Luke Catholic Church, Temple, Texas. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in whichever podcast player you're listening to, and you can be notified whenever new episodes drop.